welcome to another series of uh, After Five with Capital EA. My name's Ursula Kohler, and I'm just so delighted to welcome Lacey Clues, our resident in-house psychologist as this. <laughs> Lacey has over 20 years experience and uh, covers PTSD, other trauma-related issues, depression, anxiety, panic disorders, bereavement, sleep problems, just to name a few. And I'm really grateful that she's actually giving us some of her time today to talk about some of the things that she's found very useful in understanding in the year that is titled the COVID year. So welcome, Lacey. It's really lovely to have you here with us tonight. Thank you, Ursula. It's lovely to be here. So can you give our EA community a bit of an idea of what, you know, you've, I suppose, come across this year in terms of COVID and whether there's any immediate things that you've recognised as being really useful to understand? Absolutely. Um, wow, what a year. <laughs> just We're talking not just COVID but the fact that, you know, around heading into this time last year, you know, bushfires took off and then, and, and then that led into the new year mm -hmm. uh, and how devastating and scary they were. For people here in Canberra, just even the impacts of the sudden insane hailstorm that damaged mm. so much uh, and then barely catching your breath and leading into what has been an incredibly difficult year for a lot of people with COVID. And certainly here in Canberra, I think we've been quite fortunate in being in a bit of a bubble yes. <laughs> compared to other parts of the country. I really feel for people, especially uh, in Victoria, still really significantly impacted by the virus and the restrictions that have been put in place. It's just been crazy. It's been a crazy, insane year, which is yeah. maybe not a, the correct term to use as a psychologist, <laughs> but that I don't know how best to describe it, except it just feels a bit surreal. Yeah. And I think the first thing I would say is that it's actually okay if everyone feels like it's a bit crazy. Mm. Mm. You know, because it, it isn't what we're going through at the moment um, unless you're old enough to have experienced sort of other sort of significant sort of generational experiences, you know, such as a world war or, or what have you. It feels surreal. It feels it's completely um, turned uh, so many people's lives upside down almost instantaneously and it just it just feels insane. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of a true sort of strange, weird feeling for a lot of people. And so it's kind of trying to navigate what feels normal in what is strange, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So I talk to clients about the fact that we are struggling with a lot of things that don't fit what we're used to in terms of what we think is normal or routine and having to kind of create what that feels like it what do we have to do to create what feels like some semblance of routine or normality in a space that at the moment is actually very uh, just strange and unusual and challenging for so many people? Mm -hmm. So, Lacey, how do, how do people go about doing that? Is there certain, I suppose everyone's different in terms of creating that, the new norm or a norm that they can cope with against a unusual time in our lives? Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you've found have been successful that people have been doing in their lives that have tried to create that normality while we're in there? 
One particular thing that I think I've identified for a lot of people is the, the decisions they've made to actually slow things down a little bit. And some of that's actually been um, not necessarily through choice, but because of, you know, decisions that have been taken outside of their hands or, you know, government imposed and so forth. But the actual irony of that is that the slowing down and obviously we've seen an increase in people, for example, working from home and discovering that actually that's a very doable option for them. It's creating potentially opportunities for them to feel like they actually have a little bit more of a balance and time to um, plan things a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so recognising that the slowing down and actually starting to become a little bit more in tune with appreciating the smaller things mm. has actually been really significant for a lot of people. And if you're able to embrace the notion of being able to kind of condense and focus on sort of the immediate around you, you can find that there can be quite a lot of pleasure that can be derived from that. Yeah, how fantastic. You know, I found that with our EA community as well, you know, there's been a, a level of, a marked level of interest in both taking the slower road and really enjoying their time working from home, but also equally really kind of missing the pace that they once had and also not having the connection, you know, with people at work. Obviously, we've all ramped up our communication via Zoom and video conferencing and being able to connect with others. It's somewhat, in fact, I just did a coaching session this morning where, you know, the EA was saying, like, I'm really getting to the point. She's in Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, just really struggling to just have that coffee catch-up or that chat with someone about, you know, where they're at and their, their whole office is starting to diminish. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're, um, we're social creatures by our, our, our species are social. <laughs> so we need that connection and contact with people and that has absolutely been a challenging part of and downside of, of the whole COVID experience. And, you know, as recent as yesterday, I reached out to a client that I support that's Victorian-based and, you know, 100 days plus of um, sort of stage four lockdowns, it's been incredibly difficult mm. um, and just the real blur of the opposite, really, home and work but not not feeling like there's just the restrictions have been so all-encompassing and have really had an impact on sort of mental health and well-being. And so, yes, if anything out of this whole experience, it maybe is just an opportunity to be really quite introspective and decide different ways that we can create balance for ourselves going forward. Um, maybe for some it's a realisation that it's important how just how important those social connections are and the effort that you make with that. Mm. And for others it's realising, hey, maybe I was actually too consumed with my work schedule and so forth and actually having more time to play with the kids at home or, mm. or just slow down is actually what I want more of going forward. Mm. And I suppose I'm wondering whether you find people you've come across that maybe not really understand that this is a mental health issue that they're struggling with, you know, so in life, I mean, I know there's times where I, you know, develop anxieties and nervous energy and tension over things and then I wonder how do I let go of that or am I processing it still or do I am I living with it? Mm -hmm. um, do you find that there could be people that aren't aware that they're struggling with you know, mental illness and may need to do some form of check-in or... Absolutely, and I think that sometimes people deliberately keep themselves very busy so that they kind of separate themselves from really know thyself, if you will. 
the, the things that they would ordinarily draw upon obviously have uh, abruptly changed and so they've had to discover new ways. It's true for people struggling with depression and anxiety or, or, or any sort of mental health issue where the things that they maybe would have ordinarily accessed have suddenly potentially not been available. For example, people that would come and see me face-to-face. I mean, there was a lot, there was a big shift towards uh, face-to-face contact therapy and then, of course, through COVID, a lot more stuff is happening in terms of a telehealth, which which on one hand is great because it potentially can reach more people, yeah. but the flip side is you, you, again, lose that the nuances of that interpersonal contact when it's face-to-face. Mm. Um, but, look, this is an opportunity for everyone to, to kind of do a check-in on themselves and perhaps do additionally a bit of a checklist for the things that they think would be useful to just help um, buoy where they're at right now in terms of their wellness or things they can do to improve on their general wellbeing and mental health. Mm. Um, And, uh, you know, start to implement something once a day, once a week, however you want to do it. That's just something that's additional for them to help them to feel a bit more uh, in control and centred. Yeah, and I suppose you've got various methods that you that you teach your clients in regards to mindfulness. Or... Absolutely. I mean, sometimes it's just reminding people when they're really um, hyper-aroused and anxious <sighs> to just breathe, yeah. to just stop and take a deep breath and just become a little bit more aware of their breathing, the rate of their breath, and just slow down a little bit. Um, mm. And that just gives them a pause moment, if you will, to to kind of recalibrate and a bit, bit of space to stop and think and not be feeling so panicked and overwhelmed. Yeah, and some of this stuff isn't complex, is it? You know, like it, it can just be that gentle reminder of, breathing, which, I don't know, we, we tend to do all day. Absolutely. But a girlfriend of mine gave me this cute little wooden plaque that I have in our kitchen that just sits up on one of the top shelves and it, and it literally just says, just breathe. <laughs> and sometimes when I'm, you know, rushing around in the morning and I glance at it, I'm like, yep, that's right. <laughs> just, just breathe. Well, just to take a moment to yeah. just slow down a little bit. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we can, I always think it's funny, you know, when I'm in a rush somewhere and, um, you know, I'm zooming along, you know, whatever parkway or what have you, and I get to a set of lights and the car that I've passed back wherever then suddenly ends up right behind me and I think they're probably thinking, well, what were you in such a rush for? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, Because yeah. we're at the same spot at the same time anyway. Yeah, I've done that myself and probably a lot of us have where you think, oh, God, I look like a fool. I just spent a million miles an hour. Yeah. I know my daughter calls me Carilla Deville, you know, that, that you know, because I'm just like always on the go, ready to go somewhere. And yeah, sometimes you've just got to stop and think, right, am I actually needed to be there right on time, you know? I talk to clients about, from a self-care perspective, the need to ensure that they have sort of some immediate things that are resources for themselves that they can access. And then it's a bit, well, there's two metaphors I can I can use, sort of the ripple on a pond where you have a, a greater reach out into things where it's either accessing support in a broader way or offering support in a broader way. Or the other metaphor, which is kind of nice, is sort of those blankets, those layers of blankets that you use to, to comfort and support and, and keep yourself sort of in check with that. So... Little things you can do that are self-care related that you can 
give back to yourself on a daily basis and allow yourself to sort of slow down a little bit and take stock of what's happened for you in the day. Mm. You know, I love bubble baths. I can spend <laughs> a good chunk of time in the evening in there and that's sort of like a reset button for me. Mm. Um, some people find it really helpful to do a bit of journaling before they go to bed. Or um, also, you know, everything is just so heavy and serious at the moment. I mean, the world is really a tough place to be in right now. So even reducing your exposure to some of the social media, kind of not spending so much time on the internet, mm. um, you know, maybe um, just switching off a little bit, listening to some relaxing music or uh, comedy is great too. Watching some some funny, you know, TV series or what have you, Big Bang Theory or whatever. It doesn't matter if yeah. it reruns. Just something that gives you a good belly laugh. Yeah, yeah. I'm of the Seinfeld vintage. Yeah. And so. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't. Doesn't matter how many times I watch the, their reruns. There's always some irony or something in it that's very funny. So. Yeah, that's a lovely idea. I was going to say next actually about self care and how there was a time where I actually you know, spoke to someone and they said to me, you know, what are you doing for self-care? And I had to really take stock and think, well, what what am I doing? It's it's sort of gone out the window in one way that I recognised back years ago before I did any sort of businesses or, you know, tried to develop anything was I used to make jewellery. Right. And I used to actually, you know, pardon the fun, but copy Mimco's jewellery, oh, yeah, their yeah, necklaces yeah, awesome. and their earrings, and I try and get as close <laughs> yeah, yeah. to that. I'd still spend, you know, lots of time on replicating. But that's a, that's almost a mindfulness activity. Well, it is. Yeah. Because you can become so absorbed into it. It's a creative moment that you're putting something together and it can feel so rewarding and enriching when you've completed it and you've made it yourself. Yeah. This COVID cycle, when we started to be more in shutdown, I actually... And, I mean, I, I just turned 52, but I actually completed my first 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle a couple of months ago, and I cursed it quite a bit along the way because it was quite an ocean scene and oh, everything, looked, everything was blue. Everything looked bloody the same. But <laughs> okay. um, when I finished it, I felt so proud of myself. Yeah. And, I mean, my husband thought I was a bit obsessed with it, but I really, it just, when I was in it and working on it, it, it was just an um, escapism. And, mm. um, yeah, I did a couple. Now I'm sort of a bit burnt out on them, but I really, you know, so that was a fun thing to do. That was just a very centred, focused activity. And it switches your brain off from thinking about other stuff. Yeah. The other thing that I think is wonderful this time of the year and with all the rain we've had is people that are getting into their gardens right now. Mm. And I find gardening is another just therapeutic thing. I don't mean to sound like I'm, a, you know, um, 100, but being in your garden and whether it's just walking around and noticing new things that have flowered or, mm. you know, just doing a bit of gardening is a great therapeutic sort of present mm. activity to do. Mm. No, I appreciate that. And, and look, I think it's important to just take that time to reconnect with something that you once enjoyed. And for me, it was about thinking about something that I did do that I, you know, had forgotten about essentially. And, yeah, I haven't picked up that, but I picked up calligraphy as a means of just sitting there drawing and I quite like. So there is a creative part of my brain that enjoys that. I think it is that mindfulness stuff that I love just... And I do yeah. think, I mean, it is kind of a new notion, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I had a girlfriend earlier this year celebrate her 50th by doing, a, uh, you know, the online 50th because you couldn't, you were limited in who, who you could have as guests. And, but, you know, these, these Friday night happy hours, 
they're via, you know, social yeah. connections, different ways. I yeah. mean, there's still ways for us to reach out and communicate. Definitely, and I have and, seen some success And, and, and in I that think too. We, we need to make sure we keep doing that. Yeah, and not hide away and think mm-hmm. that, well, you know, who's going to want to talk to me? You know, it's important to just reach out and still Absolutely. yeah, connect with your friends and peers and family. Um, look, that's really terrific, Lacey. I think you've given us all some concept and insight into mental health and how we can better ourselves throughout this year and you know, some of the stuff I've been talking to our EA community but is also about thinking of a brighter future and, you know, what's out there and what what we could potentially expect and to not stop planning for that. Absolutely. As well. We have to have things that are, that are goals that we look forward to or, you know, just even little special things that we can plan going forward. It's really important. It's the whole kind of the whole notion of hope, really, that, that this is has been a dark kind of negative uh, tough year for so many people, but there is there is always a light at the end of the tunnel, and there is you know we will we will merge out of this at some point. It's just little the things we do along the way to sort of keep as intact as possible until we can get to that point. So you mm. know if we've had to be in a bit of a cocoon. Eventually, <laughs> yeah, we, we can come out the other side as a as a you know the butterfly coming out. Mm. Yeah, and that's something to really look forward to. In researching before we having this chat today, I came across something on your website that I'd love to mm-hmm. find out a little bit more. What is EMDR therapy? <laughs> well, so I, I uh, so EMDR therapy is a, is a therapeutic approach that was developed back in the nineteen eighties or, or by a Francine uh, Shapiro out of the United States, and it's a type it's a specific type of therapeutic approach that's used with the use of, of, of bilateral stimulation where you, you're tracking your eyes with the, the client tracks your fingers with their eyes. Mm. So it's the activation of the left, left and right hemispheres of the brain to help process trauma memories. It's, it has very high efficacy when it comes to uh, people that have suffered from uh, post-traumatic stress but it can be used for broader things with anxiety and depression and so forth. It gets used a lot in law enforcement and emergency services. It's uh, also with, uh, you know, people that have deployed overseas in war zones and, and trauma more, more broadly. So I've been practising, uh, so I, I completed my master class training in EMDR therapy back in 2012. Mm. Um, so I, I still see a lot of clients for, for various types of trauma, mm. whether it be um, early childhood trauma, attachment-based trauma, mm. um, all the way through to, you know, people that might have been involved in a car accident and now they're struggling to have confidence to drive behind the wheel and maybe need the event reprocessed in a, in a healthier way. Mm. Um, I don't always do justice in the way I explain it, but I do encourage people to go online and read more about it. It just intrigues me. It's fabulous sounding. Look, Therapy. It's, um, I mean, I, I sort of have a bit of a multi-pronged approach in terms of the different sort of resources I draw upon as a, as a psychologist, but the actual EMDR therapy is, is, has been incredible in terms of how I've been able to help people work through their trauma issues and distress. Mm, fabulous. Well, that is wonderful. And if any of you wish to get in touch with Lacey, what's the best way to contact you, Lacey? Probably through my website. So if you just 
Google me online. <laughs> yes, Lacey 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 Blues. Psychology. Yeah. You'll find me. And That's how I found you, Elliot. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, really, it's not the fanciest website on the planet, but it does the trick. <laughs> yeah, and it's just lovely that you're in our building, which makes it yeah, super, well, super duper. Thank you. I'm so privileged to chat today. Thank you, Lacey.